guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I'd like to thank my sponsors, PML Construction, SRP Environmental, CCS Group, Make You Safe Wearable Technology, and the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. Check out the episode notes and find their websites or contact information. Check them out and give them a call if they can help you out. Thank you for your support, guys. I sincerely appreciate it. Now on with the episode. Good morning, everybody. I'm Doug Fletcher. This is Jim Cover, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? I always want to do that Joe Buck, uh, Troy Aikman thing, you know. I'm Joe Buck. This is Troy Aikman, the Hall of Famer. So Jim Cover, the Hall of Famer. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Yeah, good to have you here, buddy. Uh, program manager for on-site consultation here in Nebraska? Yes, still am. Just drove up from Lincoln? Yep. Another day at least. Another day at least. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to get rid of me so far. Nobody wants the job, I don't think. Well, I'll see that you have that going for well, I just got told two weeks ago it's my 27th year. Is that right? Labor. Yeah. So I'm a slow learner. Wow, brother. <laughs> I was over in the area office. I mentioned this to you before we started. Um, I was over in the area office yesterday checking in with some of my buddies. I had happened to be in the area and uh, bumped into Darwin and Nick and Matt and some of those cats, Brian and... Uh, Darwin retires at the end of October. So I'm hearing 35 years. That's amazing. With the agency. Yeah, it was, he was he was here when I got here. Oh, yeah, me too. And had been here. Oh, yeah. He'd been there for a long time when yeah. I started. So, yeah, that's the end Incredible. of an era. Be an end of an era. It will be. I mean, uh, he is a celebrity in, or in, he is, you in know, some and, ways. And, and of all the years that I've been here working consultation, I can't say that I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about him that interacted with him. No. No, I mean, if nothing else, he has always been fair and just, exactly. you know, to the extent that he understood mm-hmm. that, you know, he always tried to be so. Yeah, I mean, incredibly so, I think. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about Darwin <laughs> another time. Sometime in October, we'll get him on and we'll have him reveal some of his secrets after. and stuff. The I, day after. I would love to be here for that. Wouldn't it be fun? It would be fun. We'll, we'll see if we can get a whole group together for that. Well, anyway, welcome, everybody. I hope you had a good week. Um, we've been looking forward to this. We actually got together at the request of, a one of the listeners asked for some information about silica. And so I contacted Jim, who is also an industrial hygienist and, uh, working for the state at this point. So we'll talk about that. Just a few things I want to mention before we get started though. Number one has no relevance to the program whatsoever, but I occasionally stop at the little high V grocery market. You know, these, mm-hmm. And uh, they have a little food service area, and the hy V over by my house, I don't, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say where, but the lady there makes the best bacon cheeseburger in yeah. the hy V system. And I've eaten bacon cheeseburgers at every hy V gas station around the Midwest, and hers are by far the best. And so I occasionally stop in there on my way home from work before dinner, just to grab, because the cheeseburger doesn't really affect your appetite right and uh i was in there the other day it was pretty busy you know it's um you know it's a pretty active place for working people you know they come in they get a snack or they get a drink and i'm walking through the store and i kind of turn to go get to the cheeseburgers and some young man cut right in front of me and um he looked at me and said i'm sorry excuse me sir and i almost fainted you know because nobody has any manners any longer. And I know, I know you've noticed this. Um, I, I am, I've been, I'm so disappointed in the fact that there is no, there are no manners, no etiquette, no, but this young man actually stopped and said, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry. I cut in front of you. And I, I nearly fainted. I, I, so I don't know who the kid was. Um, I, if I would have been thinking I would have bought his snack, you know, I would have paid for his coffee or whatever he was getting, but it took me so off guard that I was actually dumbfounded. So I just want to thank the young man, whoever that is. He's probably not listening in all likelihood, but it restores a little faith in humanity for me because, you know, I mean, we were, I know you oh, as yeah. well. We were, manners were everything. Yeah. I don't think my dad cared if I got a job as long as I said, please and thank you. Pretty much. Open doors, those kind of things, you know, I so. Know. Yeah, that, that, that might too be a different era, but. Those kids still exist. They're just not prevalent. They're not as prevalent, yeah. and that that is somewhat disappointing. I, I've had I've had an opportunity recently to run into several of them, and it does give me some hope. The, 
young young yeah, people that are I'm, actually I'm, yeah, like 18 19 20 year olds good so i'm glad to hear that they, they exist they just don't show up as bad as they're as much as the other ones that don't yeah have it, it becomes very glaring when people are just so self-absorbed and you know selfish that they don't even Man, technology doesn't help technology does not help COVID didn't help either I mean, i'm that, sure it didn't like everybody's manners got got a little unpolished during that it seemed like so when you're just at home in your pajamas all yeah, day yeah so maybe mm-hmm. maybe it'll come back a little bit hopefully i hope so i hope so um so enough of that that wasn't really the point of our <laughs> getting together i did check the osha website just to see what was new and there's a couple things coming out in the osha world uh they have the new record keeping changes the electronic reporting it says it goes into effect in 2024, so I would assume then that the actual change of the reporting will be 2025. That I, I don't know. I did, yeah, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that with absolute certainty. So it will be important for people to go back and check. But the changes involve um, for specifically identified high-risk industries that have. 100 or more employees they will be the ones required to report information off their 300 logs the 301s and the 300 a's and so that is going to come into effect here either 2024 or 2025 so you might want to be paying attention to that the list of high-risk industries was huge so and that letter came out in june i'm told for the high hazard list for nebraska so if you got one in your mailbox sometime this summer you might want to take it seriously yeah most definitely you'll probably be getting a letter from me in the next six weeks reminding you that if you got one you probably would be well off to consider consider consultation consultation or or at least hiring somebody to come through like doug here to fine-tune your safety health yeah start program. with consultation because you'll be you'll be probably seeing somebody like the, the list wasn't enormous like it has been in the past mm-hmm so it's a little more focused in this year. So that's interesting. So you're you're referring to the, the site specific targeting yeah, numbers that the, come out they, after the submission. We still call it that, but I think they call it the high hazard. They list. call it something, yeah, else, something now. else now. But essentially, it's that if you got the list, or if you got the letter from based off that list, you're on the you're, targeting. You're on mechanism. the radar. Yeah, you're yeah. on the radar. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is really important. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, you do need to do something in preparation, and particularly if they're um, narrowing the list down a little bit. The likelihood of an inspection is significantly yeah, greater. I, I mean, like they used to do it up until t- 2013, and I, and I, my memory fails me, but it was it was significantly bigger than it is now. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, we're talking like 200 versus a thousand, maybe. Wow. Okay. So if you if you got a letter, you you are on the radar. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh man. Okay. So, That's interesting. Good so, to know. So anybody hearing this, <laughs> go check your mailbox. Yeah, www.ndol yeah workplace safety.com so good excellent dot gov i mean the one, the one that i did notice the other thing that was on the website was that uh, there is a proposed change for ppe and construction yes. they're talking about the fact that ppe has to be fit tested i mean everything has to fit in order to work yeah and uh, so you know one size does not fit all no. um i don't know if you happen to catch the episode but andy witchin from uh, pip mm-hmm was on a few weeks ago really interesting new innovations in ppe the fit testing thing does not only apply to respiratory protection you can fit test hearing protection you can fit test safety glasses you can fit test just about everything and i think this new the changes to the ppe in construction emphasizes the fact that if the PPE doesn't fit, it's not really helping. Yeah, it's going to be a point of emphasis for us when we go on construction sites. Yeah. Oh, very good, man. Yeah, very it's, good. It's, it's, it's going to be the new item for them to worry about. Okay. You, you can't just put one respirator out that's a large. And <laughs> this, this is your respirator. Make your face one. fit yeah. the respirator. Yeah, that's so, not really how it's supposed to work. Yeah, so that that we that, that's a point of emphasis for us. Oh, well, very good. Well, okay. Well, you know, it is now, but it will be when it comes out effectively. Nice. Interesting. And um, on that note, Let's talk about consultation a little bit. In the Nebraska sure. Department of Labor on-site consultation group, Jim is the boss. You've got a, a number of co- consultants that work for you. Um, this is we, we have been promoting this for since I was with OSHA mm-hmm. for years and years and years since you and I both started. And this is a this is such an interesting um, challenge because you are the government. Yes. Now, 
That being said, you're the state government. We're the state government, and you are not the feds. It's, it's, it's like Ronald Reagan said: the most chilling words are, "I'm, I'm here from the government. I'm here to help." <laughs> right, you. exactly. I, I understand that completely. I, I know the, I know nothing, nothing. I mean, I try to, when I preach this, and I try to talk people into working with this. I know what the challenge it is to say, "Hey, can I let somebody from outside my establishment, who's also with the government, come in and critique my job?" Yeah, that's a big ask. That's a big ask. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I guess, or fortunately, I mean, however we want to look at it, we are just essentially a second set of eyes for you. Right. We're not going to find you. We don't. We have no conversations with OSHA whatsoever, except for the people that pay. You know, give us the check every month. Mm-hmm. And they don't know anything about what we do or where we go or who we right. talk to. So, I mean, it's completely confidential. In fact, while you have an open conference with us, once well, you do invite us in, we're going through your, your facility. From the time that starts until you turn in your last abatement, if OSHA shows up, they really can't come in unless it's been a, a complaint, yeah. an injury, or heaven forbid, a fatality. Right. Program stuff. Yeah. You would turn them away. Yeah. They have to make a phone call, and it goes through about three different layers of bureaucracy until it gets right. to me. And they ask, Jim, have your people been to this facility? And I say, yes, we're still, we're still open. Right. We're working with yeah. them. So, yeah. And then, and then that goes all the way back through that chain. And then whoever's at your doorstep bids adieu. Mm-hmm. And they may or may not come back. Um, right. I think in the past, I can't say lately because we haven't had this interaction for a while, but typically they didn't really come back. Unless yeah, not always. Because it, one, you're playing ball and you're trying right. to do your best and your due diligence. But two, hopefully we've identified all the low hanging fruit and right. they'd have to do more than necessary. That would be much more challenging. Yeah. And what's the point of that? It, yeah. So I can't promise that they won't come back. In some cases in the past, they, they did eventually, but yeah, I think it all, it only helps you be right. better and you're already paid for it. So yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it, we call it a no cost. It's free. You, you, there is no fee for our services whatsoever, including the industrial hygiene fees mm-hmm. for equipment and sampling. So, mm-hmm. which are not insignificant. No, I mean, well, we both know that it's not hard to rack up two to $5,000 in a hurry. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that when we talk about silica, but, yeah. but if you, if you call in an outside consultant like me, for example, and there are occasions where I think that's useful, but I think there are, um, if you are just doing a general assessment mm-hmm. or the initial assessment of your workplace or an annual review, I think having a third party sometimes is useful if you have some kind of um, an illness concern, or there are things like that going on that you're concerned about. But man, if you just want to know what are my exposure levels, what's the noise level, air contaminants, things like that, why would you pay for that? I, I really can't say, but a lot of people <laughs> do. Um, I had a gentleman I just talked to this week. He says, what, what do you guys do in a nutshell? I mm-hmm. said, well, in a nutshell, we do mock ocean inspections. Mm-hmm just without the fees and the penalties and right. sleepless nights, hopefully. Right. I said, we our people are trained in the exact same facility that OSHA's co-shows go to. We go, we see how they work. We see how they operate. We see what their thresholds are for what meets a hazard or not. So I said, but we don't tell you today you're going to owe us $20,000. Right. We tell you, this is what we found at the, I mean, at the end of the day, we tell you exactly what we found. Mm-hmm. We just, if you don't have an idea how to fix it, we'll make some suggestions. You get minimum 30 days to fix everything. And then I'm a pretty understanding guy. If there's something that either requires an electrician or an engineer or something else that we can't get a part in, mm-hmm. we can always grant an extension for that individual item. So, I mean, it's easy for me to say, why won't you do it? I mean, if, of course. if, if, if you have doubts, just call me. And, or I can meet you somewhere, we'll have coffee, and we'll discuss it. I just did that a couple of days ago up here in Omaha. Nice. A gentleman had some concerns. He got wind of our program, and he wanted to discuss it with somebody. So I said, I'll just meet you up here. Good. So Very we, good, we had man. a cup of coffee, and we talked it through, and I, I believe he's going to sign up. And nice. Possibly be a sharp for us in a couple of years. That'd be terrific. Yeah. Sharp is? Safety and Health Achievement Recognition Program. It's the state version of Voluntary Protection Program that OSHA manages. Mm-hmm. So it defers programmed inspections from OSHA. We have currently 27 companies in it. Fantastic. We just recently got two sharps in uh, in western Nebraska at Crossroads Co-op, their Garing and Bridgeport facilities. Oh, good for them. They have about five or six more that they're they're looking, looking at, at bringing doing. in. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, this this, you know, it's kind of a feather in your cap and I'm I'm kind of working on too when I was down at the consultation conference this summer, a lot of states were talking that a participation with them got them a break on their insurance no kidding 
Now, I don't know if that applies here. I've been asking around and I've, I've gotten a lot of, you know, raised eyebrows like, oh, I'll have to ask some questions and find out. Mm-hmm. But it'd be something to ask your work, you know, your insurance company and then probably your uh, workman's comp yep. carrier too, just to say, hey, well, if I do this a third party, will I get an insurance break? I know some of our sharp participants, their rates have gone down. Fantastic. I don't know if they can directly point a finger and say, this is your participation is yeah. that, but I mean, I, I, I think there's more. It has to causal. be a contributing factor. Yeah, yeah. I would think so too. So right yeah. now, you know, every penny counts. Yeah. I don't okay. cost anything. Right. And I might be able to get you a discount. It's and this potentially. Is, this is the <laughs> issue, right? State government. Okay. I mean, if, if I was volunteering to work with the feds, I think I'd say absolutely not, but working with the state for free, for free, this is what's being offered. Yes. And, um, and they like all of my, well, except for my two industrial hygienists, they're fairly young. They're, they're pretty well out of school, but my safety consultants have all come from the private sector. They have 20 plus years of experience, all of them. And I mean, I don't know how you could ask for more than that. Really? Right. Right. I mean, we're, and they're common sense people. They're going to treat you right. They're going to talk to you like when mm-hmm. we're talking right now, having a conversation. They're not out to get you. They're, they're pragmatic. Not, yeah, they're not going to play gotcha. They're just going to say, hey, this is what I've seen. I mm-hmm. think this could hurt somebody. Right. Let's fix it. Keep that from happening. Keep your costs down. Keep your production rolling. Keep OSHA out of your Keep facility. Keep OSHA out of your facility by all means. And let's yeah. send everybody home safe and healthy at the end of the day. Right? I. Right. I, I, I think I think enough said, man. I yeah. think people need to. And are you guys busy right now? Could you take um, on more? We could take I mean, no, definitely. It's, it, I'm not going to say that we're not doing anything. We The safety guys are out right now. They're scheduled out probably most of next month, if like half the month. OK, um, it's been a slow trickle coming in. It's not been, you know, we're not getting flooded by any means. We're keeping busy, but we could always do more. And there are some size criteria that, I mean, this is intended for small business there primarily. Are, there are. I mean, um, if you have 250 or less on site, that's a green light. Mm-hmm. Um, 500 nationwide is a yellow light. Okay. I, I, can, I, can, I can provide services, but I have to make sure that anybody that came in ahead of you that's smaller gets priority. Understood. But right now, typically we can work those folks in. You know, the corporate structure in this country has really changed in the last 25 years. It used to be, you know, corporations were GE and mm-hmm. and General Motors right. and Ford. Big, big, big corporations. Now it's a, a holding company that owns 150 small businesses, but they really don't interact with them on a safety level. They just, they get the profits at the end of the year and that's likely it. Right. So that's really changed how we've had to do business and, and with them, but there may be some change in the air. I don't know yet. They're, they've been discussing this. It's a nationwide problem right now with consultation, having a struggle getting people to participate. Um, Florida, I know, is a bit, which is a big state. I saw what their advertising budget is, and it's almost bigger than my operating budget. <laughs> is it? Yeah. So, I mean, it, but I mean, everybody's struggling to work with people. Right. And I mean, if you're in Nebraska or you have a, a facility in Kansas, Iowa, Florida, Texas, Every state has a consultation program. Mm-hmm. They provide the same service. Fantastic. So, I mean, I mean, it's not just Nebraska. If you're wherever you are, you would like somebody to help you or just or just backstop you and just have a, a second set of eyes come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, please call them, talk to them, you know, roll the dice and participate. And you can limit it. Like, that's, I think, what people don't understand, too. I can come. We Our people can come in looking at as much or as little as you want. You control the visit. You can stop the visit. It's all, it, we really are your consultants for the day. You control the scope, what we look at, what we do. I would only say that once we see something, we can unsee something. Sure. Because so, the agreement is if we see a hazard, you have to fix the hazard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you we find 20 items and that's starting to be overwhelming for you, just tell the consultant, hey, I think I'd like to stop. Mm-hmm. It stops. I've got enough to work on yeah. here. I think we've. this is a good start. Yeah. We go right back to your office. We do a closing conference. We go over the things we've seen so far. We talk about how long you think it's going to take to fix. And then 20 days later or so, you get a report. And then the 30-day clock starts mm-hmm. for putting your abatements in. And like I said, if you run short of time, Just I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. Call and negotiate yeah. a new. All we have to do is make some extension requests. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's. It's hard for me to see where there's a downfall for this, but then I'm not the one yeah, putting know, in the request man. and sitting there going, hey, would you come in here and, and 
tell me in front of my boss what I'm not doing right. Right. Well, there's but, always but, been that reluctance, I think. Yeah, but we've got to get past that. But, you know, really, I mean, it's going to look – I don't want to say OSHA is going to come bust in your door. The likelihood, you know, statistic-wise, they can't be everywhere. But the goal is, is to make sure everybody goes home at night. And, you know, there's nothing like talking to an employer who had somebody have a serious accident or, or worse, a fatality on the job. It, it, that's something you never get over. Nothing worse. Yeah, it, it's 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 traumatizing for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And to think that we could have come in, identified something, fixed it, it didn't cost you anything from, you know, at least right. a, a fine standpoint, maybe if it cost a few dollars to fix it. And then you don't have to have that. I mean, that I think that's priceless, but it, it, it's agree. also a big ask. I understand that. So like, if, yeah. like I said, if anybody has questions, please contact me. I will try my best to walk you through everything and lay your fears. How do they get a hold of you? You can go to our website, uh, ndol.gov. Uh, top of the page is workplace safety. You click on that. Our page pops up at the bottom of that page. There's phone number, email address, or there's a hyperlink that goes right to an electronic request form. Nice. And you fill that out, hit the submit button. You get a letter back within minutes saying we've got your request. And within a week, one of our consultants, whoever I have assigned to your file, calls you and lets you know what they're looking at as far as timeline to get you scheduled and, and find out what you want. Right, right. So discuss the scope. Yeah, scope set something up. Particulars like some people have a very defined scope. They want something. Maybe somebody just want air sampling. Right. We do that, or maybe they have one specific machine or process they want us to look at. We do that. It's, it's totally up to you. It's totally controlled by you. You guys do any program review program we, evaluation? Yes, we do, and I think we do more than probably our, our uh, federal cousins do sometimes, <laughs> but I mean, it's a different focus. We're looking more at the day-to-day operations and, mm-hmm. and facilitating your company more or less just looking for hazards, but we'll go through your programs that are required or, or maybe just you have as your policies and make sure that they're up to code, you know, so that if there are any changes in the PPE, like for construction that we're, we're addressing those, mm-hmm. um, anything like carrying conservation during COVID, a lot of that stuff kind of fell off making sure people are getting that back in tune. So we're going through that whole thing. We won't write it for you, but we've, but we've got templates that we can give sure. you that essentially you're cutting and pasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it, if you're scared about doing a program, don't be, we can get you up and running within yeah. a few days. I don't write programs either. I, I think there's an inherent uh, problem with having someone else write programs for you. I think, I think you so need too. to understand them intimately. You need to be, uh, considering them and making them very specific to your workplace. Yeah, so I, I love the template idea, but yeah. don't have someone else write your program. Well, and in the past, I think you could probably talk to this too. We had some private folks out in the world that for a small, small fee, they would provide you with your safety and health management system. And you, you received a three ring binder that took two men and a boy to carry into your office and he put it on your shelf and it was so generic as to be essentially worthless essentially worthless. and everybody had a false sense of security that they had done their due diligence mm-hmm. and when your uh, compatriots from another life would come in and do a, an, a, an assessment they would find it lacking severely mm-hmm. and you not only wasted money you also got to pay some more money because you weren't in compliance so yeah we, we can go through that as thoroughly or not mm-hmm. as you'd like mm-hmm. as the case may be Really, we can we can do essentially everything safety and health wise for you, except for probably health screenings for yeah. like yeah. you know uh, pulmonary function tests. We don't do we don't do the hearing tests themselves. Yeah, but I mean you can direct but, people to the places. Yeah, where we they got can we've do that we've got we've, we're really lucky now. We've got several places around the state now that can you make a phone call and they can be out in a matter of days of the weeks. Right. So right. You know, although they are a fee fee to play program, you know, business, but it's a lot different than what it was 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's very user-friendly all the way around now. I agree. I Personally, I know that you, you're, I know you as a very pragmatic guy, man, and you are certainly not trying to make a career or make a name for yourself off of someone else's no. Uh, no. misfortune. No. You know, we've been just trying to help folks. I, I just, I just want to reiterate great service. Um, Good mission. It's intended, you know, the the um, the intent is noble and it's free. It's free. And uh, as a consultant who is off, you know, suggesting that you go somewhere else, um, I, I have to believe in it. And so I know that it's uh, I think it's important. I think people should consider it. Well, we're, we're like, like 
think of it like a doctor. We're the general protection practitioner that we come in and give you a physical once a year. Doug's the specialist that comes in and looks at a certain sure. problem. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Think of it that yeah. way. And I mean, while I can't refer people to Doug directly, if we come across something that's beyond our scope, like yeah, an no. engineering, like it's like, we'll tell you, say, I think you need to consult an engineer. Yeah. You might want to get somebody that's more experienced with this process than we are, but we'll let you know, you know, we're not going to just gloss over. We'll say this is beyond right. our scope. I think it'd be probably worth your time to follow up on this. Right. But as far as just a general run of the mill, what's OSHA going to come through my door and look at? We, we've got you covered on that. I Definitely. Yeah. I, I actually thought that your assessments, your um, reports were certainly much more comprehensive than mine when I was doing that for OSHA because I was concerned about getting my 2.8 violations and uh, moving on. And I think your guys do a much better job of overall assessment of the workplace. Well, and, workplace it, and it also helps you. Like I used to work in a state program that was kind of pseudo enforcement. You know, and it, it is a totally different vibe, you know, because you're 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 being guarded. Mm-hmm. You're 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 afraid to say anything because you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Where with us, you know, it's kind of like you know, bury your soul to us because let's try and fix this and get mm-hmm. it get it get what needs to be fixed fixed so that you don't have something unfortunate happen. Agreed. And you know, really, how much does a does a hurt employee cost you? Besides, I mean, besides the, you know pain and agony that they suffer but your bottom line i mean how do you how do you quantify that i've seen figures on that that is way more in excess of what osha finds people yeah and, and down and downtime and people are hard to find right now so you really don't want to hurt anybody or lose them for any extended period of time and hey you know this this doesn't cost anything why not i agree Let's but, do it. Yeah, well, I'm an easy sale, though. So, <laughs> All right, guys. You know how to find him. On-site consultation. Just go to the uh, Nebraska Department of oh, yeah. Labor website. Click on the safety tab. It'll take you right, right to right Jim's to program. Or you can call me directly at 402-471-4717. Or my email is jim.cover. It's spelled like cover. C-O-V-E-R. Victor, as in Victor. At Nebraska.gov. Very and good. I'm pretty good about responding back to you. So yeah, man, within, you, within a few hours, usually. you respond to me once in a while. Yeah, so. once in a while. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Oh. So let's talk a little bit. And uh, I've been going around and around um, how might how we might best approach this, but we'll talk about silica a little bit. One of the listeners uh, sent me a message saying, "Hey, I'm really enjoying the information. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about silica?" and Nothing more specific than that, which was, it's a big topic. It is. And um, I stopped by the area office yesterday to speak with some of the hygienists and speak with the managers. There are no real changes to silica. I mean, they're still running their national emphasis program. They, uh, every area office puts together an FOPP, their field operations performance plan. (laughs) As as I remember, you know, and they will identify a specific number that they're trying to accomplish that may be directed to them by the region or it might be something that they come up with. But so they will be making silica inspections over the course of the fiscal year. And so that's still happening. Obviously they're going to be making, I don't know if they've completed their, their number at this point. So um, the likelihood is that they're still doing silica inspections. I know they're hitting heat really hard right now. Yeah. and, And rightly so. Rightly so. Yeah, it is. Here in Nebraska, anyway, we have had some extreme weather. Yeah, I've hot and it. humid. I've I've seen it worse, maybe a couple times, not for this duration, though. Mm-hmm. Not, not for a week at a time. That's what we were talking about last night. My wife and I were talking about, and it has been hot. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, I, I, one of my consultants came in yesterday. Somebody he worked with had told him that they were doing a construction project out in rural Nebraska somewhere, and they'd had five guys go down on them this week. Oh my gosh! And I'm sitting there going. Um, if you had that many people go down, it's time to just go home for a while. Yeah. I think or work at night or something because yeah, let's call it a day. You're gonna you're gonna put somebody in the hospital somebody. or worse. Yeah, no doubt. And undoubtedly, I know that OSHA is tracking this stuff. When they have those heat index days, yeah. they send their compliance officers out uh, yeah. looking, and they're pulling off of their lists. They also have a national emphasis program for yes, heat. They do. That is trying to help them identify where there might be and these exposures. Likely we'll have a standard sometime this fall. Oh, man. 
I, I, I'm, I'm doing my best finger crossing right now, hoping that it's going to be something that we can easily follow and work with. I'm hearing things that lead me to believe that, but I've been wrong before. Good. But, you know, at minimum, you know, shade, water, rest. Right. I mean, some kind of a formal program too. You know, something where you have triggers, yeah. where you have heat index triggers and things and, and not just an acclimation. I mean, don't, don't take some poor kid off the street. That's never worked a day in his life with a shovel in his hand and throw him out there in this heat. Right. With, with five yards of dirt to move. Right. Um, really it's common sense and, and, and common sense is not common anymore. But it, it seems but, like it though, doesn't it? But I mean, if it's hot out, I mean, your guys are going to need more breaks. They're going to need more water. Shade is at a premium. I mean, even if you have to put up a little tent thing mm-hmm. or find a tree somewhere, you know, it doesn't take a lot to help. So, yeah, you know, just keep these things in mind as we move forward. I know work still has to get done. Understood. But, yeah. Right? But let's all. But these days are the exception. These yeah. incredibly difficult yeah, days these, are the exception. So make some will, exceptions. These will kill somebody in under an hour. Right. Probably less than that if, if work truth was known. Right. This is a general duty clause issue. Yeah. So um, there is no, at this point, as Jim just mentioned, there is no regulation that OSHA can cite. So they're yeah. using the general duty clause. And when I was in the office yesterday speaking with Nick, he's the IH team leader, and he was saying that. They've got a couple of cases that they're writing right right now. Yeah. I don't know what they are. He can't share yeah. that with me, but they're writing general duty citations, which it, means somebody got hurt. Well, with, with this type of heat, if somebody goes down, it's that it this made that citation a lot easier to uphold. Exactly. So, so back to back silica, to silica. <laughs> the, the heat thing is always such a, yeah. you know, it's such an, uh, uh, an immediate issue, you know, particularly right now in Nebraska and probably other parts of the country. But as far as silica goes, um, you know, there are, you know, we have a general industry regulation, we have a construction regulation. They differ a little bit in the way that they have to be implemented. Uh, construction is interesting in that it offers the table one mm-hmm. solutions, uh, so that construction companies that are engaging in some of those listed activities, if they are following the direction in that table, they don't have to do the industrial hygiene monitoring to establish concentrations. The thing it's that really I, a gift. It is. The thing that, bought, that disturbs me a little bit when I think about it is if you deviate, how far can you deviate from that table one before you have to do the monitoring? Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's and, a great and question. That's, and, and, and nobody will really come out and say that. Right. Because I've asked the question. They look they look at each other and go, well, that's, that's a great question, Jim. Mm-hmm. Which if they're doing that, that means if you're doing one of those activities and you don't have monitoring data, You've just hung yourself out there a little bit for receiving right. a citation. I mean, or worse, you're gonna might you might injure somebody. I, right. mean, I always keep that in mind. I always talk about the money aspect, but ultimately, in the back of my mind, it's always the health thing first. Yeah, job one is to protect the everybody's employees. health, but you're not doing your best job to keeping your people safe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you have any processes that you're worried about or do slightly differently from what Table One says. I'd really consider having somebody come out and just just hang a pump on somebody and find out. Right, get some data. Some data. And that's good advice. And, but you know, I've been running before I came to work as a program manager, the standard hadn't changed yet. So we were still calculating pills, which (laughs) based on the seems like voodoo science, the percentage of silica in the, but you know, I was seeing, because of course I always use the ACGIH threshold for, Mm -hmm. for silica. I always said, if you, if you can stay below this, I feel confident you're doing your people good. Mm -hmm. I think now it's about the same. I think it's close. Yeah. That that 50, I think was based on that. So, I mean, that's what I always, I always talked about, but it, it always it kind of freaked me out a little bit how much we were finding silicon places that I didn't really expect levels to show up at. Mm-hmm. For example, well, can um, you think of any place like that? Foundries. I mean, I didn't think that the refractory sand would, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you're not grinding it. You're, you're not throwing it up in the air necessarily. And, you know, it's not. You're, con- I, you're conveying it and you're yeah, shaking and it you're, out. You're, and you're pressing it and mm-hmm. breaking it and crumbling it. I don't I didn't really think of it as being a source of that. And it absolutely was. Well, I've gotten a lot of overexposures in foundries yeah. and certainly above action levels. And, uh, you know, uh, precast concrete. Mm-hmm. Not, not much grinding going on there. And uh, we've been seeing some levels show up that mm-hmm. kind of inexplicable, but it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. It may be back. I mean, it might just be below the action level, but you know, try to identify those where it's coming from has been a little bit of a challenge. Interesting. Um, just a few other. Th- I'm trying to think of anybody else. It's just if you're doing anything with cement or aggregate, and I don't know. 
I've never, I haven't done any drywall lately. There shouldn't be a high percentage of drywall in that or, or silica in that com- component, but we well, know if there's anything adjacent to it. Yeah. That's blowing. I, I know that there are muds and things that are low silica, but I'm not sure that those are, you know, being used everywhere at this point. So yeah, you need the, to be really confident that you're getting a low silica or no silica product yeah. before you start and like ignoring it. And for me, I mean, and because I'm an industrial hygienist and I've done it forever, my and I wasn't having to charge people for it. My answer to everything was, well, let's pull tubes and sample. Yeah, sample. It. Then yeah. we'll know. Yeah. It's not it's not a mystery anymore. We know one way or the other. Right. So I, I guess if I have any advice, that would be my main advice for silica. If you're in doubt, find somebody, let's collect some samples and see what we got to work with. Yeah. And in the construction regulation specifically it does say that follow the methodology in the table and we believe that you will be under based on research and you know existing data things like that but as you said following the table isn't always as easy as that would sound and so when you start to deviate from that slightly like hey i I don't have an integrated water supply Mm -hmm. on this saw so i have a guy stand there with a hand sprayer or something well and you and i both worked with some place that even we were doing wet methods still over still way over yeah and they were dumping water on i mean literally it was like a swimming pool yeah it was a fog in the place yeah but they were still over and and i when i saw the results i i thought it was a lab error uh until you got the results again and the again second and time, again yeah, the second <laughs> it was time uh, back is fairly like a, consistent so something we have something to work with here but you know and even like on the construction standard they you know for the jobs that aren't listed on the table how often are you reassessing them because mm-hmm. you would do an assessment at one location, does that carry over to location two, three, B, and C? I, I, I would be very leery of stretching that that far. I agree, man. That's an interesting comment, and that and that's one thing that they don't really address either. Like, well, are the circumstances, the process, the production the same? Conditions, everything. Are, right. Is everything the same? No. So what no. De- what degree of same do we fall out of before we have to reassess? Yes. That that's what worries me a little bit too. Because once once you get silica, you know, silica damage in your lungs, you you don't regenerate. It's mm-hmm. it's you're done. Mm-hmm. And there's been yeah, that twenty year old twenty year old people that died from silicosis after a very short term exposure. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was high high concentrations, high concentrations, but, but nonetheless. But everybody's different, and everything works differently for mm-hmm. everyone. So so I that is good advice, man. Um, don't make assumptions. If you are following the table, and OSHA states that if you follow the table, you don't have to do sampling. I mean, are you willing? I, I, that's an interesting one to me. Am um, I willing to bet my life? Are you on willing table to bet one? my employees' lives that that table is? If it were my child, and I was in charge, no, I'd I, be sampling. I'd want to be doing some sampling just to make just to double check because everything right. changes. Everything. Yeah. So I, I mean, that I guess it is. So how much risk are you willing to? take on exactly i'm not a, i'm not a good gambler so i don't take on any risk i don't have to yeah so you you mentioned a few areas a, a few types of materials where we're pretty pretty confident that we're going to get respir- respirable crystalline silica okay. uh either quartz or what is it cristobalite or tritomite or something yeah. you know the different isoforms of it or whatever but um so yeah concrete if you're cutting concrete masonry of any if kind. you're cutting any masonry but I, I know it's in clay it's in clay it's, in, it's in granite it's in the ground man so if you yeah. have any interaction with things from the ground i've even read studies even from construction workers that all they did was run a dirt mover or a bulldozer you know doing prep work mm-hmm. some soil types have higher amounts of silicon in them than others and they you know got silicosis as, or at least some damage from it yeah farmers too i mean that Oh, that's a great point. Before we had these hermetically sealed GPS-driven cabs and tractors <laughs> right. that I'm, I'm uber jealous of, right? Uh, there were cases of farmers having silicosis because of straight-up farming, right? So it's out there. It's a, it's ubiquitous. It's just to what level, what extent, what right. type, how much we're exposed to it, what we're doing, and you know, construction it happens to be where we usually think about the most um, ready-mixed concrete. Yeah, we've I've run into that quite, especially the truck cleanouts. Mm-hmm. Um, those are a monster in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, most places are good about not having to 
get their trucks to the point where they have to do big cleanouts anymore if they can help it at all. But Climbing in it and jackhammering and I, I I have I don't know if I have respect for people that do that or or pity. pity. I, I don't know which. I get the noise levels are the loudest I've ever encountered. I mean, 140 plus decibels sustained. It's insane. And then dust silica, silica levels that you hit the pell in probably the first five minutes or less. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, things like that. That's that's the way far into the spectrum. But yeah. the things in the middle scare me too. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you, if, if you have any processes or you're doing any work that you think have silica exposure, that's the first thing. Do your assessments. What's out there? Right. Do you, are you working with materials that could have silica? And if the answer is yes, I would pull the trigger and have somebody come do the assessment. Yeah. yeah. That takes so much takes so much weight off your mind at that point and liability. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay. it, just to me, if you do nothing else with silica, think that. Yeah. Make that assessment. Make make try and get that found out. Do I need to take further steps? Yeah. You you alluded to something earlier, and I'm going to call that like representative sampling. So you one one thing that I see frequently that I think is um, maybe a misunderstanding is that people will pull one sample on one person doing one activity and use that to base their entire decision making. And you know, this the regulations talk about, you know, all job classifications, all shifts where we have a potential exposure. You can do representative sampling. You can use what you believe to be the worst case scenario and use that maybe to describe other exposures, but one sample does not make uh, yeah, it's a snapshot an time. IH program. And that's like I have these two highly educated initial hygienists working for me right now. I have a biochemist and a chemist. Mm. And they're going to these classes and and and, and knowing themselves what representation representative sampling means. And then I'm showing them what we do. And they're, you know, really what we're doing, I wouldn't even call it it's not it is representative by definition. But it's a snapshot in time. I, I oftentimes right. refer to it as drive-by industrial hygiene. Right. We get one day and one shot to try and take a picture that paints what you do for a whole year. And that's where, you know, I have a, a significant amount of people that I worked with in the past. They have us come out every year or two mm-hmm. or, you know, and and, re- and, and redo it just to yeah. make sure because now they're comfortable with us. That's part mm-hmm. of that's That's mm-hmm. a lot of it, too. Right. But they want first to time's sure. the worst time. First, it's a, always right? <laughs> right. Like a lot of things, if not yep. anything. But just to see is the snapshot we took last year the same as this year, the same as five years ago, and and we've identified some things that we wouldn't have found otherwise. Mm-hmm. So as a lot of things go, more, more is better. I think more is better. Statistically, from an industrial hygiene standpoint, more sampling is better. And as you said, I mean, different times of the year, day, different yeah. activities, different times of day. Yeah. I mean, it's and, just and even the humidity, like the humidity we've had this this week, I, I think would significantly alter samples that we collected mm-hmm. versus what will happen next week or in four weeks. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point. So, if you even if you've done it once. Don't just think that that's it for the end of time. Yeah, don't be satisfied. Yeah. And, and obviously, in the silica standard, there are triggers. If you're above an action level, there are mandatory yeah, resampling requirements, yeah. which is great. But even if you hit, like I have a client in the winter, they're above. In the summer, they're below. Yep. Winter, they're above. Summer, they're, their buildings, you know, sealed mm-hmm. up, and there's less ventilation and perhaps you know less just ambient air movement and. Um, Maybe the activities even change to some degree, but you have to get a couple of samples, consecutive samples that are below in order to discontinue. And we can't do it because yeah. winter they're above, summer they're below. And it's just this cycle that. And, you know, and I've worked with some people too, that that's one of their fears is I can only come out or my people can only come out once per year, typically. Well, what if you get us over the action level or over the Pell and I have to do monitoring again, this is going to be cost prohibitive for me. I'll tell you this, there's, there's multiple labs around. Um, I know what you, I don't know who you work with, but we work with the Wisconsin occupational mm-hmm. health lab. It's with the university of Wisconsin. <clears throat> I've done them. And I'll, and I can mention <clears throat> them because they're me. not a for-profit agency, but right. all of our samples, all consultation samples in the nation go through them, but they also do work with private people too. Mm-hmm. 
and they are the easiest people to work with. And I've referred to a number of people that had to do not only silica, but like lead or cadmium or chrome work. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is you call them up. And if you have a credit card, they set you an account up. You tell them what you need, like silica sampling. I need to redo this. And they will send you a care package for a fairly low price. It is. With a pump, the media, and all the equipment you need, and an instruction, little instruction booklet. And if you need help, I can walk you through, or my people can walk you through it on the phone right? in real time if necessary. And all you do is box it up and send it back to them, and they send you a lab report. And, again, if you need help interpreting it, call us. Yeah. And you can do your own your own retesting to, to, make, to meet all these demands that are put on you with the standard. That's but, a great comment. But, man. but the assessment, uh, I think, is key. If you don't do the initial assessment and find out how good or how bad you are, you're really just throwing the dice. I would agree. I think, yeah, having that a hygienist do that initial assessment, help you with developing the strategy to try to capture relevant information. But I teach most of my clients how to do sampling yeah. so that they can do it themselves for well, that very reason. I mean, obviously, if you and I can do it. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that, man. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but it is not um, prohibitive. I mean, no. And as not. you said, if you're just paying for the analysis rather than paying to have a hygienist on site for the 10 hours mm -hmm. or whatever the time frame is, all of the other issues that go with that invoice. The, the cost pales in comparison to what that could be mm -hmm. if we don't get things right. Yes, that's great advice. I think the last thing I'm going to touch on, there's so much that we can talk about. There's some language in the regulation that talk about feasible, you know, yeah, and this has been the bane of both of our existence. Yes, this feasible, you are an employer is required, particularly well, let's talk specifically about silica. You must get the exposure level below the PEL using all feasible engineering and administrative work practice controls. At which point, if you are still above the PEL only then, May you implement respiratory protection mm -hmm. as a as a permanent measure. It's respiratory protection in all aspects other than maybe emergency response is intended to be temporary. But we run into this challenge with what is feasible. What are you know feasible engineering controls, feasible work practice controls, administrative controls. And this has been a real challenge because OSHA's definition of feasible, or at least within individuals within OSHA and employers are often different. It's a void. It is a, a void. A chasm it, might be a better. Yeah, it's a chasm. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. Um, you and I worked on a project, not together, but mm -hmm. where we were satisfied that all due diligence and feasibility had been pursued mm -hmm. and OSHA had a very different definition of that. Right. To the point where they couldn't even tell you what was feasible but they that they wanted somebody else to come in at the very high price to tell them that what was feasible, even if they had done everything that was feasible. Yeah, right. I mean, there is this concept of <clears throat> technical feasibility, and there is economic feasibility. Yes. And if you have an endless pit, you know, of money, and, and it does come down to that, a, a, a five hundred SP five hundred company is going to have a different definition of feasibility than mom and pop, right, masonry shop. In, mm -hmm. in omaha that's right there's going to be a different and that's not really supposed to be the case but it is reality it is reality and so that that is an interesting concept i don't have an answer i have none either we, we've been struggling this with for quite a long time i don't have an answer but just be mindful of the fact that we don't get to just put people into respiratory protection permanently without at least a fairly exhaustive um consideration of engineering and work yeah. practice controls can i wet it down can i implement ventilation controls that's it of some type or you know we even found in the case we're talking about um they actually found a company in california that had used this stuff called flocculent mm -hmm. that was supposed to knock down all the suspended solids in the recycled water they were using as their wedding agent and it worked great to an extent, but then it plugged up all their machinery. So now there's no <laughs> right, more water. Right, right. So, so is that a solution or not? You have to wonder. But, if, but you tried it. You you did yeah. try a feasibility study, and it it was a miserable failure. Right. But could it work in another application? Possibly. Maybe. Yeah. So <clears> I mean, that's that's the gray area that if you don't do your assessment, find out how much you're exposed to, and then try and address it, you're just one. You're threatening people's health. Mm-hmm. And also, 
you're liable for that. Right. So why, why do that? Interesting. This it's really interesting subject. And I mean, it, it, you know, we start to get into little area, other aspects of industrial hygiene and things like that, but it is really interesting. And, and I've always enjoyed, you know, the art and science of industrial hygiene and it's always silica. a balancing act. Mm-hmm. It is. And every and, case is unique typically. Yes. And I, I think there is a certain comfort level that we're all trying to achieve. Are, are we comfortable that our employees are protected? You know, if we've done everything we can with at least reasonable engineering controls, reasonable work practice controls and water is considered a work practice control and then administrative control. I mean, is it feasible only to allow a production employee to work two hours a day to rotate them out of, and then there are limitations to even yeah. when you can do that. Uh, and you know, and even rotation bothers me to a certain extent, because now instead of one person being exposed, yeah, now we're exposing two or three other people. To exactly. It, so. There are a lot of challenges to it this. Is. So if, if you have doubts, you, you have thoughts, what do I do now? There are resources. I mean, I'm not going to tell you we're the only resource and we could even point you some other directions if need be, mm-hmm. but it, by all means, do your assessment, get help. Yep. Silica kills people every day. Yeah. It's, it's a national emphasis for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, some things we, we scratch our head with, why is OSHA doing this? This is one. This is one that's this, yeah, it's pretty apparent why yeah, OSHA's it, doing they, this. They had to do something. Not to mention, you drive down the highway and you see these poor bastards standing oh. in big white clouds of dust every day. You can only do that so long before you, you you're not here anymore. You get really frustrated. Yeah, too. So. I mean, as those of us watching and seeing this, knowing that there are solutions to that, effective, reasonable you, solutions. And that, you know, that's one thing I think some employers get caught up as the cost. There's a lot of things that we can do that. I mean, really don't cost that much money. Right. I mean, some, I hate to keep throwing common sense out there, but it, it's things that we can do that are cost effective. They're, they're durable. They last, and they're fairly simple to maintain and and operate that are going to make all the difference in the world. Agree. So, you know, take advantage of all the help you can get from any avenue you can, but do your assessment, do your due diligence, make sure you're not exposing people that above what they can be exposed to. Yeah. And even that I, I, question i question sometimes the <laughs> threshold it's the it's the threshold that most people right can tolerate before problems develop not, the majority not, of not, people not all people. not everyone exactly so i i always tell people to keep that in mind too mm-hmm. shoot for lower shoot lower is better lower is better lower is better thank you jimmy you're welcome this is jim cover program director osha on-site consultation nebraska department of labor give them a call um their services are fantastic Uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. And we will be back next Friday with another episode of What's the Hazard? Thanks, everybody. A Huda Media Production.